All right, Matt, I got some politics for you, dude. Before we get into hell divers and next fest and all that fun stuff, I got hey. something a political situation that I, I've debated multiple times with multiple people before. I'm a little scared, but keep going. People usually get riled up over this. Um, when it comes to hooded sweatshirts, hoodies, oh. if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Zipper or no, no zipper? Ooh. Uh, zipper. Hey, we're in the minority on that one, apparently. Really? Apparently all these youngins coming up these days are like, zipper why would i need one of those uh okay fair enough yeah i just i mean i can't not wear all my hoodies have zippers like if it feels I have like one... it's just it becomes more it's just more usable like you, there's more options you can have yeah. half zip up you know if you're if you need a little bit of more breathability if you want to just completely out you know yeah flying loose you have that as an option you can regulate your temperature without having to take off your entire sweatshirt also exactly if you don't want to like mess up your hair you've got that's the other thing i was going to bring up not that i got much hair to work with anymore but yeah. back in the day it yeah. would always like scuff up the hair you got a hair product in you got your glasses on you don't yeah. have to take off your glasses to take off a zipped up hooded sweatshirt i mean like yeah. the benefits are innumerable the downsides are <laughs> pretty much negligible i don't know your zipper clinks on stuff like come on Come yeah, on. No, co completely agree. Yeah, I, you you are correct. <sighs> Let us know, guys, what your stance is on hooded <laughs> sweatshirts in the comments below. Okay. God, this I can't believe we're bringing I can't believe we're bringing politics into the podcast now. I thought we were I thought we'd be better than that. The thing is, the thing is, is I thought it was an obvious zipper was the the answer, but apparently we're in the minority. Most people are like no zipper hoodies, and I just I just don't understand it. It seems insane to me. I mean, at the end of the day, they are just hoodies. I mean, um, let me just say, if if there's a candidate running for president who's, like, going on, like, zipper hoodies, you know, that's, mm -hmm. like, his platform, mm -hmm. like, he's getting my vote. Let me just okay. say that. All right. It's that. It's a wedge issue for you, huh? It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, gaming-wise, my God, Next Fest has just been, like, blasting people left and right. Uh, some pretty good stuff out there. Yeah. More interesting. Yeah, I've, I didn't I've played. Play I played one. a lot of games in the last week. I tuned in. Week, I tuned into talked. your stream a few times, and I was just uh -huh. like watching you cycle through the games. I was like, "Damn, Matt is hitting it hard right now." Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, the the one game though that right now that was not a part of Next Fest, it released. Yes. that is absolutely blown me away. Is Helldivers Two? I didn't play it yet because I know as soon as I load it up, it's gonna I'm gonna be like twelve hours in before I realize what happened, and then I'm like, huh? Like you know, this might sound a little hyperbolic, but I I actually think it's one of the best co-op FPS, uh, not FPS, but FPS shooters uh, ever made. It is. I swear to God, you say this like every week or two, Matt. There's a there's a Good. new. It's the best Good. something. Uh, it's Power Good. World one week. It's held. I didn't say there. Power World was the best of anything. <laughs> you said it was pretty darn good, though. You, you I said did... Power World. Yeah, Power World was okay. fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't. I didn't say it was the best. You know what? You put wood in my mouth, young man. <laughs> Maybe young it's not like we have video evidence to back up any of this stuff. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's fine. Prove it. Oh, I'm just yeah yeah. So Hell Hell Divers too. I actually read the book hell divers oh, i didn't know there was books behind it yeah right well uh i read it on an airplane because i don't i needed a book 
to read right before a long flight. So I, was, I just grabbed it. I was like, ah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I didn't have time to do any research. It reads like a video game. Like it feels mm-hmm. like you're, if you ever read the Doom novel or something where it's just like, and yep. then I shot the cyber demon and ripped his head <laughs> off. I shot him in the face. That's kind of what Helldivers too is. You're just reading it and you're like, oh, I think this guy wrote the book to either become a movie or a video game because it reads like that. It, it reads like it. Yeah, uh, and I I didn't particularly enjoy the book because it was kind of just cheesy sci-fi stuff, but That's fair. I did think while reading it that this would make a better game than it would a book. So I've always well, the been game curious is, about the game. The game is fantastic. Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I might be a little bit hyperbolic, but the game is the game is truly. I, I think it's I think it's amazing. Uh, what it does is that so you. It is a co-op game. You don't want to really play it solo. I tried it solo, where you mm-hmm. literally are just by yourself. You don't you don't match make with anyone, and you're just on your on by yourself. And it's not really accommodating that play style. There are literally doors that you cannot open up that will give you resources mm. because you need two people to be able to open them. Uh, <laughs> you'll get bombarded from like every angle. Like you really yeah. do need to have assistance from other people. But when you do, and you're playing with buddies, it is pure chaotic. Just you know, horde chaos and it's it's a blast yeah i i love it how many people is it designed for four total four Uh, total yeah and then you drop you drop down onto the planet through these like orbiting ships kind of are they in the atmosphere are they in space so you are in so you are in you're in space and they one of the things that i think i should you should highlight is the sound design is so good mixed with like the music and even when you're so like you you drop in on these pods and the music swells and the 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 audio for when you actually drop in is just incredible and it gets you so hyped and everything across the board like weapons sound fantastic the enemy sounds fantastic and it all adds to that that immersion but you start in your ship and that's kind of like your main base where mm-hmm. you'll get upgrades that's where you're going to buy your different loadouts or your stratagems and you then take that into into battle. You know, it's funny. It sounds very much like the the cycle in terms of like how you prepare to enter a mission, where uh-huh. you, kind you have of. this orbiting orbiting ship. You gear up, and then you just take a drop pod down onto and the planet. You drop down. Yeah. yeah. Although the cycle is an extraction shooter, which is yeah, a, a the gameplay different. loop is entirely different. But yeah, yeah. what is I think is really interesting and really clever is that one problem with playing on because it's a console game too. And this also is a problem on PC sometimes is you don't have enough buttons for call-ins and bringing in, you know, you, you got your primary weapon, secondary weapon, and then you've got all these different stratagems, which can be from... What you are you playing on? Are you playing PC or console? I'm playing PC. Yeah. Yeah. But, you don't have um, enough buttons on PC is what you're saying. That's a good point. That's, that's a little bit ignorant. Yeah. That was, that was stupid of me to say. But for console, for sure. Okay. So... But even on PC, like, like there are there that you can have like eight different things that you can call in, and most people are not going to get over to their eight key, right, to call something. Yeah, in, right? yeah, yeah. You, you hear what I mean? Yep. Um, so for this, you click a button, and then you have to do a little combo. It's like Dance Dance Revolution, mm. where you have a resupply, and it's the same every time, but you have to c- type in like basically the combination for the resupply, and then it will call down your ammo. Uh, if you want to bring in a turret, you want to bring in a it's like artillery a strike. It's like a order counter-strike or something if you're trying to do it fast where you have to... Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, I haven't a played bit. counter-strike sort in of. like five sort years. Of. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the modern UI is like, but previously you'd have to hit like 
B to buy, and then like there'd be a sub menu, so it'd be like one or two, and that would take you to the sub. And once you learn the combos, it'd be like B one two three or something like that. Kind and of. then you yeah, sort of, but a little bit more, a little bit more involved. Not involved, but it will be you hold down your your button, and then you'll have to do up, down, left, right, up, and that will be one. Okay, you got that. Have they not heard of radio menus? Is that they're not? Yeah, into but this that? is way more interesting. Like it's it, it's it. I like it actually a lot more okay. this way. Uh, I find I find it to be more engaging, and it found it kind of just it adds to the so that everything has weight in the game. So it's not realistic, but you're not. It's not a snappy FPS game where you are just snapping to all the things. Yeah. Your character will like actually move his weapon That's cool. slowly, depending on how heavy it is. You can and, get away with that in PVE. People don't complain yeah. as much. Yeah. 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 And so it, it kind of, and there's even, it even has like Tarkov mechanics where your leg will get like hit and you'll start limping or your arm gets hit and you're, you're now that weapon that was swaying not so much is now like, it takes a while to get it over. That's so you have to cool. hit a stim. That's gotta so be it, fun when the hordes of mute, mutated creatures are like barreling down upon you and like yes. Timmy's leg is wounded. It's terror. It's terrifying. And that's one thing I think the game does incredibly well alongside that sound design. That sounds incredible. Mm -hmm. You then have these incredible animations where you'll be fighting essentially giant bugs. And you know, when you see those movies where like the person's about, they're like on the ground and they're just like last man standing. And then like the horde is just swarming around them. And they're, yeah, yeah. they're all just like blowing up in front of them. Uh, <laughs> but they're getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Uh, it's like that. But like every moment, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so much fun. It's very cinematic. Yeah. The, um, yeah, it's I, it's I become it so one of the best selling titles on Steam. I mean, it's going to be one of the better selling games of this year. Probably. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. It's impressive, man. Um, mm -hmm. I will probably check it out. I just didn't have time to. I was a sucker. Uh, I will say that the first game that I wanted to check out and that I did check out from the next fest was Homeworld mm -hmm. 3. Yeah, um, I tried that too. A little bit let down by it, to be honest. Yeah, I, was, I didn't like it too much either. Yeah, I, I was like all excited for it. And I think they, they hit it with the, the styling on Homeworld 3. Like the the sound design the visuals are cool but the ui is really clunky uh i don't like i don't like moving around and trying to control the units it just kind of is janky sometimes guys don't do what you want them to do and yeah yeah it just sort of felt like is there a reason for it to be this overly complex because ultimately at the end of the day all you're doing is moving a few units around the mm -hmm. map Yep. And the challenge of the game just feels like you're fighting the UI more than you're fighting the other enemies. You know, you're like, that was my big problem too. Yeah. And I, then they I have, felt like, keep going, keep going. Well, and then they have the, um, the thing that I hated with it was the unit upgrades where okay. it's like when you, in prior games, you could upgrade stuff like, you know, armor and accuracy and speed or something like that. That would make them just uh passively better in combat now it's these it activation abilities what, what do they call it in the rts world i think um rpm tax or something or what, what is it not rpm but uh, I, don't, I don't know the term but i know what you're talking about basically you now need to activate abilities that are going to just yeah. add to your your rpm yeah your, yeah, yeah. Or, or, no your APM, apm apm actions per minute yeah apm yeah. tax right so you have to always be like aware of your units and when their ability is cooled down and then hit the cooldown when they're in con and it's just like 
if there's a if there's a fighter squadron engaging enemies they're just going to use the what they have available to them like i don't need to tell them to like turn on the good guns now like come right, on guys right yeah but activate so, now we need our firepower now yeah so i didn't like that i don't like i like games that are more about the strategy versus your ability to micromanage everything I feel like the upgrades also came with negatives as well. There was there was a few. Maybe I'm thinking of because I played a ton of games <laughs> over here. <Yeah. this. laughs> so maybe I'm just thinking another title. But I remember I thought that there were some upgrades where it was like, oh, like I, I might be thinking another game. Never mind. Yeah. I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak. You know, misinformation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did delay the game after the feedback from. Yeah, Next Fest. feedback did not seem great. So that's good on that front. It's not that like visually or or the sound design or anything like that was not great, but um, it just feels unnecessarily cumbersome. And the main draw for me anyway is single player. So the mm -hmm. demo was not single player. It was sort of a, was kind of a roguelike co-op type co -op. thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, that's never been Homeworld's strong suit. So it didn't feel like the game strong suit necessarily. Uh, so yeah, I guess my my hype for that game was pretty high because I was like, oh my god, there hasn't been a homeworld game in like twenty years or something. This is gonna be the next homeworld game. And then I played the first demo and I'm like, oh okay, yeah. yeah I, I, I had know. a couple issues with it. The main is and the hardest thing that they're gonna have to overcome is that it's a three D. It's a three game. It's it's in space, so there's all these different directions and trying to manage and move your units to where you want them to be was really challenging at least during the yeah. demo maybe it gets better as time goes on but i i already felt like this was really awkward so that yeah. was one that was one thing and then the other was yeah. i could not really tell what units i was looking at there, <laughs> yeah. there was like a scout unit and then there was like a slightly more like offensive already and it like looked the exact same but slightly bigger and i was like this is not yeah. great Plus, you have to be zoomed out so far most of yeah. the time that you're just like, is that a frigate next to my fighter? <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. tell. It's so tiny. Um, yeah, it's funny because when those games came out, the original ones, they were like close to, I don't know, must have been around the year, somewhere in the 90s, I think. I don't know, a mm -hmm. long time ago. Um, mm -hmm. And the 3D space navigation at that time was sort of like nobody was doing that because it was it was a major technical accomplishment for them. So that was kind of an appeal back then. Now it's like no big deal. Of course you can do 3D space navigation in an RTS. Now developers have to ask the question of why are we doing 3D space navigation in an RTS? Is there a good reason to move your units higher or lower? The demo didn't really indicate much to me that it did add anything to the gameplay other than like units could maybe flank you from underneath a platform or something, which yeah, kind of interesting, but probably not worth the incredibly cumbersome UI to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree. And they didn't improve the UI in my opinion that much from the original games. Like the navigation wasn't particularly, it was okay in the original games. And I thought they would have just made it much cleaner and easier in this one, somehow figured out a way around it. But not really. So yeah, I don't I'm I'm not sure what to make of it uh yet. I am excited about the prospect of the story. I just hope I'm not like fighting the UI the whole time. <laughs> you might be. Well, hopefully I don't know it's, it's the 3D space is going to be their biggest it's going to be the biggest hurdle and I hope that they can make it work, but I'm a little I'm a little skeptical. I could see once people get a handle on how the game works that 
there'll be some nice depth there, but it's going to be a struggle for your average person, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I know Helldivers is sort of your like best game you played in the past couple of weeks, but... Can we talk a little... I won't lie. Can we talk a little bit more about Helldivers? Okay, let's get into it, man. Because there was one thing I wanted to mention in that. What well, is the premise of the game? So how does the game set up the premise? Because I know what the premise you in are, the books you is. You are spreading democracy across the galaxy level cap. That's really funny because at least in the first Helldivers book, it's not really about that at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, you're, you're, so you're, uh, you're a member of Super Earth. Yeah. Which is, you know, Super Earth. Of course you are. And there are these like so there's these uh aliens uh tyranids i think is what they're called could be naturally wrong. Yeah, yeah uh they got automatons which are robots so there's two factions that you're going against right now robots and bugs and i think there's going to be they've been teasing a third faction which i can't wait for because more content the better and yeah you're you're basically just there to stop them from getting closer to super earth you're defending it and the entire shtick is that you are spreading democracy and you're doing this all for right. it sounds democracy. very it sounds like starship troopers yeah it's star it's it's starship troopers but not starship yeah that's that's funny because the book helldivers wasn't anything about that but i didn't read any of the sequels so maybe it gets into that but helldivers was kind of like almost a survival story of like uh -huh them being in these airships they weren't spaceships yet they're like high atmosphere ships and then the guys would have to dive down through this horrible storm onto the planet's surface to gather resources for their ships and then and then evac back to the ship with whatever they found and they would have to fight all the horrible aliens and creatures or whatever that were living on the planet yeah. And that's what it was. So yeah, this whole, so this like, is a lot more goofy. It's 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 a lot more. It does like, like goofy, goofy on the based yeah. on the trailer. Okay, mm -hmm. it's meant to just be fun and over the top, and that's because it is. The one thing I wanted to mention, though, yeah. Well, one of the things is, I and I hope other co-op uh, games like this try to maybe emulate a little bit. Is that you're not just using a weapon. So when you play like your zombie games, a lot of them are just, you've got your weapon, you shoot the zombies in the head and that's the gameplay loop, right? Yeah. You never really feel like you're powerful. Some, some are able to accomplish that. But what's so much fun about this game is that you have these call-ins where you can call in this 500 kg, basically like airstrike. And it will <laughs> literally, like you'll see the bomb enter into like the bugs, hit the bug and then everything explodes in front of you. And it's, incredible you'll call in a uh like a, an auto cannon and yeah. the thing just chunks nice. next to you and you and you see like literally chunks of these like armored units that are normally really tough just flying off of these these bugs and i think that's one thing i love so much is that the game gives you the sense that you're you're powerful you're you're strong you're 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 a force to be reckoned with and um i love i love that about it that it makes you feel powerful it's cool every they, so often i think we're starting to see some of these things happen on with this visual fidelity that we haven't seen before and on mm -hmm. a scale that we haven't seen before thanks to sort of just the power of modern consoles and modern game engines they can do a lot more what you're describing kind of reminds me of space marine 2 a little bit um if you've okay. seen the trailers for that yep. one Yep. where the space marine is just 
chewing through hundreds of bugs at a time and it you're just like how do they do they do this at this scale and like uh, yeah. this visual quality they're they're figuring out a lot of tricks around it and it's cool man I, and I they think... really use the lighting to their advantage you'll have these gorgeous maps where it'll be at like night and you'll see fog out in the distance and out in the distance you see the the eyes of these uh, uh these robots yeah that, like straight out of terminator like literally out of terminator yeah. And it looks amazing. Then you call in your own airstrike above them and like <laughs> impeccable. Why are you so much better than the bad guys? Like how well, come you how come you can kill ten thousand of them and like, you know, they, well it's because they're because we're doing it for democracy and we're the few, the proud. Are you uh, shooting uh, democracy rounds at them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'll give you a run for your money. There are like you'll be running around and then you'll just get one shotted. Oh really? There. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred uh, percent. It's you. There are. There's a difficulty curve. There's nine difficulties. It goes from I can't remember what the the beginning was all the way up to hell dive. Before that one is like Ultimate impossible. Hell dive insanity. Uh, it gets it gets really difficult. You'll start yeah. fighting like giant bile titans, and there'll be like four of them, and it's just pure chaos. And then you'll really have to use those those call ins efficiently to be able to come out on top. How long does the um how long do you see the whole like progression curve going like to end game? Well, I did it the hardest difficulty with some friends. So we've technically beaten the game. We've gotten to, you know, we've 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 seen everything that you can be seen at least for right now. Yeah. There is a lot of progression, though I will say I'm not a giant fan of certain parts of the progression. So they sort of have a free battle pass which I don't really consider it a battle pass, but it's kind of a free one where you go through and that's how you get your weapons. That's how you get cosmetic items and stuff like that. You kind of pick and choose what you want as you go. Yeah. But each tier, you have to spend a certain amount to get to the next tier. And the bottom tiers cost like a thousand points. Like you have to use get, get all the way down. There's like a thousand points. And I think I've maybe gotten 300. I, I don't know oh the exact God. amount. <laughs> over like 30 hours. So it's going to uh -huh. take a long time right. to get those. That was just one of those mechanics where it's where they're like, just make it really hard so we don't have to make anything else in between. Yeah, so it's 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 a bit of a grind, and yeah. I don't mind it too much because the weapons that they give you at the beginning are, are serviceable, they're really powerful, and like they get the job done. The one thing I don't like, though, is that there is a progression in between missions where you can upgrade, essentially, your, um, your call-ins, your stratagems. Those are the things that really bring you uh, yeah. the benefit. And those require um, samples that you'll find on the on the map. And the only way to get samples is on the map and then to bring them to your dropship and extract with them. And they're not very plentiful. There's not very many of, many of them. And if you get wiped, you get nothing for oh that. My God. And so you could maybe get like if you get a, if you have a good run, you can get like maybe 15 of each. So let's say 30 total. Um, and but if you wipe like that's it that's you just spent 40 minutes and that progression uh, currency is is like you just spent 40 minutes and you didn't get any progression in that in that respect mm. yeah that's so not a big fan of that one that, that's probably my biggest weakness for not making it or rather the lack of reward for certain aspects of it mm -hmm. but no reward because once you're at that higher level gameplay i assume that's like a big deal is getting those yep yeah yep so being like oh sorry like good luck Try yeah, again, I, you know? I feel like they could probably streamline that or make it a little less annoying 
because I've only upgraded my actual ship a couple of times because they, they do feel that rare. Maybe I'm just bad. I could be terrible. And I'm just not doing a good enough job of scavenging those up. But it also doesn't help when <laughs> you're about to extract and everyone crashes and then you lose all of your currency because oh, they've had no. a crash problem. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a bummer. That yeah. always sucks, right? When the game's like the most fun to play and it's also the most buggy because it just yeah. came out. And everybody's yeah. like, oh, I just want to play this game. I wish it wasn't crashing every hour. The yeah. devs have acknowledged the issues and they're saying, we we did not expect this many people to be, we thought this was going to be more niche. We didn't expect you what to have- What is happening like, with all these random mega hits? I know. It's freaking know. February, man. We're barely out of January and it's right. like- having grant that comes level. out of nowhere <laughs> two million nowhere near as as successful as power world but i think they got up to like three hundred sixty thousand concurrent on their servers yeah, and they like I, well up, and that's huge for a full priced game too um yeah versus power world which was you know whatever it was yeah what did power World cost i can't remember uh, but, like 20 30 bucks something like that yeah this yeah this was this was 40 for the standard and if you got the deluxe edition with that that included the i think the battle pass that was 60. The most Helldiver-ish edition. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of um, quadruple-A games, as you, oh, as you yes. might call them, Matt. <laughs> have, you, I, have you ever played a quadruple-A, Matt? Uh, oh, I have, yeah. I know you have, man. Uh, <clears throat> Skull and Bones, the only quadruple-A, self-described quadruple-A game, I might add. Uh, $70 price tag for that game. Why do why do CEOs always kind of like put their foot in their mouth every single time? Because they're not gamers, man. They just are so detached from the actual gaming world because they're yeah. just like, Meh, let's look at like the markets and trade stuff and currency values and blah, blah, blah. And they're living in that world, which, you know, yep. that's valuable for running a company, but... I think any good CEO needs to be connected on the ground level too, to a to a degree, right? Agreed. You know. <clears throat> so, so for those of you that yeah. are not aware, the CEO of Ubisoft was interviewed or asked the question. I can't remember who. Uh, wh yeah. Why didn't you make this a free to play game? It was you know you're you're going for live service. Doesn't live service usually benefit free to play? And his response was, we've put so much effort into this title. This is and Skull and Bones, by the way. Skull and Bones, yeah, Skull and Bones. Sorry, I thought we clarified that. Maybe we um, did. Uh, Skull and Bones, we put so much money and there's a ton of content and this is the first true quadruple A, not triple A, but four A's yeah. video game ever made. And it's very much deserving of the quadruple A title and the $70 and title. The $70 price tag. Yep. Which, uh, man. So first of all, everybody on the planet is disagreeing with this whole like quadruple A product, right? Because... Yeah. It just isn't more content rich than other games out there for one and two the actual base gameplay mechanics and experiences are just not particularly great it, it reeks of a game that has had many many production problems along the ways so yes it's very possible or i would rather i would say i don't not believe the CEO and that it was one of the most expensive games to produce for them. Yeah. But because they screwed it up and just had it no languished clear vision. for like 10 years. Yeah. Like they was in development hell for like a decade and they want to recoup their, they want to recoup their costs and they're yeah. not probably going to be able to do that with a free to play title. Yeah. And so he's calling it a quadruple a game where everybody else sees what it actually is, which is just a game that had 
dev hell for forever. They didn't have mm -hmm. a good idea for what the game should be in the first place, and they kept redesigning and screwing it up, and of course it cost a ton of money, and by the time it launched, there is games out there that are arguably better that are doing the same thing now, like Sea of Thieves. A lot of people are saying, boy, Skull and Bones just makes me want to go play Sea of Thieves now. <laughs> I've seen a lot of those comments too. I'm I'm still hopeful. I'll be playing it. I want to try it out. We'll see what the actual game is long term. Um, but I I don't foresee it being a quadruple A quality because I, yeah. I played the I played the beta and it was fun for what it was. But I mean, I unless there's I think just this a is gonna mountain. be Ubisoft's anthem. You know, this is gonna. <laughs> I think it's gonna have more content than Anthem. Yeah. I think I think it's gonna be better that's made fair. than Anthem. I don't think that's completely fair but I don't think it's going to be nearly even close to what he is describing in terms of quality. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're just trying to break into a market that is maybe when the, if the game had a three to four year production cycle, when they concepted it, it would have been mm -hmm. a huge hit, but it's been going for 10 years and that genre has been fleshed out now and filled in by other devs and not only have games released to fill that niche but they've had time to perfect themselves and become better and like add all this stuff and then ubisoft's like here's our game and they're like okay yeah kind of same as this other stuff not really i, saw, as I good. saw a headline of a preview so i didn't read it but it was basically think of sea of thieves less as a pirate game and more of a pirate division game where because you've got different classes essentially where you could have <laughs> Yeah. You could have a healing ship where they fire healing cannons at your teammates. So I just don't it's, it's, it's like... not, it's, it's an RPG. <laughs> it's basically a RPG, but with boats. Yeah, man. I got to say, I'm pretty tired of games that just use like healing cannons is just, oh, we didn't have the amount of money you spent on the game, create a damn animation for what it looks like when a ship repairs another ship. Don't make a healing uh -huh. cannon. It's like um, see, making fun Hans of the beam healing cannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the, the cliche way of saving dev money is like to make everything a beam weapon or something, you know? Uh -huh. I'm beam healing you. I'm beam repairing that. I'm beam moving objects or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. the beam is like the cheap, easy way of doing the complex mechanic where you don't have to create some sort of bespoke animation that makes it look really cool. <laughs> so Sea of Thieves is like, well, there's no beams in a pirate game. What if we just shoot health at what if another you just ship? Shoot the can yeah, exactly. It's a green cannonball. It heals. It's a it's made out of medicine. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> it's nonsense. Yeah. But I'm still looking for it. Because if they can if it can what I'm hoping for is that if you look past how ridiculous it is if there is some interesting missions later on where you and like a bunch of friends have to attack like a giant castle, you know, entrenched fortress that's on the side of the coastline and you've got people that are bombarding from a distance, you've got someone that maybe goes in close and and shreds their defenses so that the people at the backside can, you know, deal more damage. And then you also have a guy who's, you, you know, shooting long range to try to keep that guy in the front line topped off on his health. Like that could be interesting but you could also argue yeah. that then why not just play a normal standard like division style game in instead i don't know i don't know we're, we're gonna have to wait and see it's sort of like they saw sea of thieves and went oh crap we can't just do what they're doing so yeah 
We have yeah. to make it a where you're the ship instead. You're you're you are the ships, and other people are other ships. And you're like, does anybody actually want to play that game though? I mean, like, we'll find out. I like World of Warships, but it's like PvP and smaller scale and more mm -hmm. tactical. It's mm -hmm. not an open world game. I wouldn't want to play World of Warships as an open world game. That'd be a disaster. And there will be there will be PvP. I don't yeah. know if there's going to be open, like an open world, like free for all area. That'd be cool though, if there was, where mm -hmm. you could go to like a certain area and then everything was just like, all right, have fun. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll admit, uh, I, I feel bad for people, for devs who got sucked into this project and spent years working on it. But uh, at the same time, I feel a little bit. I feel like the pivot is going towards the indie devs these days, and every time I see a giant flop like this from a triple a title i'm just like it's the here we go like this is it's all going towards the indie devs at the end of the day hopefully well, i, I plan on sinking a little little bit of hours into it so i'll report back next time with okay. if it's any better or worse than we kind of anticipated yeah yeah uh i feel like we go through phases too where like Pirates of the Caribbean movie franchise comes out. Everybody's all gung ho for pirates, but then bro, it... those movies were so good though. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, uh, really? That first movie? You kidding me? The first that first movie, movie, that first was, movie was incredible. Was Shut your god! The I don't second even... movie too. I don't remember come on, come any on, of the tentacle plot lad, past. The tentacle dude, come on! Yeah. That was some of the best VFX in the history of cinema for the even today. Mm. Go back and watch it. Still stands up test time. Come on now. Yeah. Well, okay, we could argue about Pirates of the Caribbean. I'll say the first <laughs> one was fun and enjoyable. I don't remember any of the sequels. Uh, they just immediately that's seem fair. Forgettable I, I, to I me. don't really. I don't think I've seen many of the sequels either. But the first, at least the at least the first one and second one, I thought were were fantastic. Okay, okay. but that but, first one's a classic. But it's like when when Saving Private Ryan came out and it sort of ushered in a whole new wave of like World War II movies and shows and books and games and all that stuff. Mm-hmm we got world war two games forever. And then like pirates of the Caribbean came out and it seems like they were trying to like feed off of some of the pirate stuff going on, but that's like long that was since like 20 died. years ago. I mean, it's well, been a long know. time since I'm then. I'm just saying like it, I don't know if the pirate market is, is as hot as it used I to be. I don't you know? think it's been hot for a while. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they had some success with black flag and they thought that like, Hey, we could make this into a spinoff. And then it, just wasn't working they were like yeah. this isn't a game that we can't this isn't going to be engaging long term for what our our goals are it's got to be microtransaction to hell we got to be we got to have that live service gameplay loop like they've been doing with all of their titles how do we make that work and they just could not and so it just languished yeah i think these big studios are just struggling because they're looking for mega hits and they're sort yeah. of just like desperately going for it and the latest desperation that I've seen is um, Disney, a company whose stock has been plummeting for quite a while, has just given Epic Games $1.5 oh, billion, dollars, B, not mil, $1.5 billion. That's chump change for these guys, though. I mean, I I think it's a little more desperate, though, because I think Disney's... Think so? Yeah, I think they're they're buying up everything, and they're just trying to monetize it, and I don't think it's going as well as they want it to. Um, so they, they're giving Epic Games a $1.5 billion deal to create a Disney Fortnite universe or something. We don't totally know what it is, uh, 
but they're basically saying, hey, we've Disney has tried to do this before. They've tried to create their sort of little Disney universe mm-hmm. type games. I think there was one called like, was it called Disney Universe? Something like that. Um, where it's supposed to be these like hub games where everything connects I've together. I've never, I've never, yeah, really because they Disney weren't, products. they weren't successful. So I think they're like, hey, we don't know how to make this game. Let's just play, pay Epic to do it, and it'll be like a Fortnite knockoff or something. Well, Epic has really positioned themselves where they're what I think that one of their CEOs came out and said that we want Fortnite to be a platform for more than just Fortnite. We want it to be for anything really. And they've yeah. been really following through with that. They've got concerts, they've got all these different, pla- you know, all the different skins, of course, that is basically advertising for upcoming movies and shows and things like that. And now they're pivoting on over into actually making games with inside of Fortnite with like Lego. And I think that's been a reasonable success. And I think they can now show people like Disney, like, hey, look at what we did with Lego. And people love that. And we've got this kind of a player base and we've retained players that are that are still playing Lego to this day. You could maybe invest in our company now. And maybe that's where that 1.5 billion came from. Granted, those probably those talks, I'm sure, take a long time to negotiate. Yeah, but so they were probably the they're probably basing it off of all of that. So the Lego deal could have just been another one of those same types of mm-hmm. deals that just got started a little earlier than the Disney deal. Right. You know. Um it's smart. It's really smart. I you know it's hard to I have a hard time bagging on Epic because I really like their engine and what they're doing and they put a lot of their money back into the engine and the stuff they've been doing in the last couple of years with their engine is it's better than the other stuff out there. They're they're mm-hmm. really trying to make games look better, perform better, and are make them easier to make the games too. They're they're saying, Hey, you remember all that crap you used to have to do when you made a game? We're just gonna optimize it for you now you don't have to do billions of levels of detail we'll just do it in the engine for you don't worry about it right so for the indie scene particularly it's fantastic that's why we're seeing so many indie games come out where you're like damn look at those graphics you know that, look at those look at those graphics baby. that wasn't a thing five six years ago you weren't really saying nope. that a lot you're you know a game would come out and you'd be like yeah that's cool i like the concept of it it's too bad the graphics are indie game graphics right right now that's becoming way less of a thing. Now you're seeing teams of three, four people or even solo devs come out with stuff where you're like, what the, how did you, you know, they got the, um, they bought Quixel, Quixel Bridge, which is like a, a major asset pipeline for Unreal. And okay, now it's all free. You So you can get Unreal Engine for free and then it plugs in a Quixel and you can just type in like, I need a high resolution mountain and you just grab it it just does it throw it into your game and you have a photorealistic mountain and then you're like i need a jungle tree that's photo and you just grab it throw it in you know and it's like they're just making it super easy and of course i'm oversimplifying things to a degree right. you have to have some know-how and optimization in there but it's it's still a resource pipeline unlike any indie developer has has seen for a long time so it's impressive so I'm I'm a fan of them, despite them being a giant mega corporation that does giant mega corporation stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and hard, with Disney, they're even bigger, they're even a bigger giant mega corporation. Yeah, but I hate them because they destroyed Star Wars. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean they were so good? Yeah, 
I've totally been watching all of their sh the billions of Star Wars shows they're making, man. How many? Yeah, they really they really went hard with them, didn't they? I think they had seven shows in production at one time or something like that. Wow. And I, I couldn't make it like more than three episodes into Ahsoka before I was just like, I can't, man. <laughs> I mean, I hear it gets cool because like Anakin shows up, but I haven't seen it either, so... I forced myself through Obi-Wan and I think that took it all out of me. I was just oh, like, no. I was just like, I'll make it through Obi-Wan and uh, it'll get good and we'll have some cool. It was so bad, dude. I can't even, I can't, I can't right now. Star Wars has just become a joke aside for Andor. Andor's the one show that's like amazing within all of yep. it. And then everything it's else. It's also, is I just, think they're a uh, most expensive show to produce too. And I think one of their least successful. So if that goes to show anything, you yep. can imagine what kind of Star Wars content's coming down the pipeline in the future. It's not going to be more Andor. It's going to be yeah, political dramas. Nope, nope. It's, it's going to be, be lightsabers, yeah. baby. Super simplistic, you know, Darth Vader cameos and Anakin cameos and Baby Yoda crap. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's fine. I don't. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be for us anymore. I, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I guess I'm just upset that the show didn't age with its initial uh, fan base at, to mm -hmm. any degree, really. It seems like they just kind of tried to reinvent the franchise for each new generation and not make it appeal to the original generation in any way. So <laughs> I'm the grumpy old guy. Sure. We, but... I mean, cause, cause you ask like little girls, like who their hero is and it's Ray, you know, they love, they love Ray and, and. You know, it's so it doesn't have to be for us. It can be. It could. It could have been for us and them at the same time with well, yeah. you know, good writing and good storytelling. It doesn't have to be one or the other. But it's there, like, there is still an audience yeah. that enjoys it a lot. It's like go watch a Pixar movie. They, they, they draw. They run the line between hey, it's fun to watch for an adult and great for kids at the same right. time. And exactly. then you watch Star Wars and you're like, who made, who is this even for? I don't <laughs> get it. You're telling me they could have used that technology the entire time and just won the war? What do you mean? <laughs> There's no rules anymore. They're just like, oh, you didn't know you could do that this whole time. Yeah. You're like, okay, what about, you know, the past 10 movies or whatever and all the shows? They're like, don't worry about it. Let's just hand wave all of that. And you're like, okay. Star Wars yep. has really become a whatever it wants to be for each show <sighs> and franchise. Mm -hmm. Still blows me away that they did not have a a outline for the the sequels. The fact that they didn't have an outline, they just were like, mm, "I'm going to try this for this movie." Like, what do you mean? It's a multi billion dollar franchise, and you don't even like basic outlines. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, it's a trilogy. Surely yeah. somebody had an idea about what the, nope. the general plot points would be for the trilogy. Not at all. Not even a general idea. Not even not even a napkin's worth of notes on it. <laughs> we we heard that like they like Ray, the actress who played Ray, didn't even know like Oh yeah, she her. didn't know who she was supposed to be a descendant of or anything. <laughs> yeah, because... like, what do you mean? What do you mean she didn't know? Well, oh, it, was, they... it, was, it was mismanaged. 100%. Yeah. I've watched some funny YouTube videos where like the Star Wars fanatics like have clips of I think it's like Kathleen Kennedy who like runs Lucas the Lucas the Star Wars division. Yeah. Um and she'll be like, Oh yeah, we had a plan from the start and all this stuff and then 
in another interview she'll, or another person in the inner somebody else will be interviewed basically countering that entire point and be like yeah we had no idea what was going on and they're like oh, okay so they just were lying to us about having well she's idea. not gonna she's not gonna be like oh no we no. we just kind of flew by the seat of her pants like that's that's a terrible look i don't i don't imagine yeah, a person no, you gotta deny in charge it or you is lose going your to... job i'm surprised she has exactly but whatever exactly so um back to video games man uh-huh you think the future of fps is in tribes three yeah <laughs> i played yeah. it yeah and it was fun for the little bit that i played but man i i wish those devs luck i do because <laughs> it's fun for what yeah. it is but i just could not see myself playing that for what most devs are looking for to keep a player base long term yeah i i'm always baffled by tribes three is truly baffling because tribes has been a failure since tribes two pretty much tribes two mm -hmm. never really took off it didn't um uh, tribes one was cool it was like a brand new thing the whole skiing mechanic was a bug and they left it in and it became like the meta the thing and then tribes two was sort of like it just kind of failed to it had crazy performance issues and never really took off the right way and then they rebooted it with tribes vengeance or something one of those games forever i haven't been following it that closely five six years ago i don't know i'm probably way off on that mark that failed right it never picked up steam so you'd be like you would think that the tribes franchise is kind of dead because it's a heavy movement shooter that has sort of heavy been movement shooter heavy that is heavy heavy movement really shooter. difficult really hard you have to fire discs at people moving 50 miles an hour in one direction while you're moving 70 miles an hour in the other direction and just like try and calculate the trajectory in your brain. Yeah. Uh, Though when you, it, when I you will hit, say yeah, when you fantastic. hit it, it feels good. Like yeah. it, they've done a good job with it. Like it, 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 it does play well. I just don't know if a lot of people, because you see all these Call of Duty players and you see all these Apex players who are like, oh, I really care about movement. It was like, well, go play an actual movement-based yeah. FPS game. <laughs> they and don't. then they, they, of course they don't. Of course, because like the skill ceiling in that is literally through the roof. Yeah. Like I don't even, I would argue you could never like master those games because there's so much going on. Also, how the heck do you play Tribes on console? What do you give the disc launcher auto aim or something? Oh, I don't like, even know how you would manage no that. No yeah. possible way, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just an old game that sort of had its time and there's like these legacy fans that keep trying to bring it back, but I think they're just missing the fundamental equate part of the equation, which is like that that audience isn't around anymore. They've they're yeah. all playing they all started playing Halo and now they're playing Call of Duty and now they're playing what you know, they're playing different shooters now. I'm rooting for them because I, I always want because it's 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 pretty well made. For yeah. for the demo that it is, it's it's a fun game if that's what you're looking for. I just don't know if they'll be able to keep it to keep it going. Also, I don't really trust the developers because they made an uh, they were making a essentially a, a an extractor an extraction looter shooter. God, what was it called? Um, I don't remember what it was called, but it it was it was fun. It was like spaceships and or not spaceships, but you you kind of were inside of a spaceship. It used dark and darker style where it was very. Um, like pitch black in certain areas where you could actually use the lighting was to your that advantage that to speak up. Was that sort of World War One style one? No, no, that, that was that was different. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about, and I'm blanking on the name of that too. Yeah, but like it was a cool idea, but then I think they just abandoned it to start making. I think tribes. I know so what like, game you're talking about, actually. 
That yeah. seems like a very weird pivot. Um, to, it is a weird. To, to it tribes. is a weird pivot. Yeah, I could almost see tribes working as like a really fun single player, like triple A type action game where you're like mm-hmm. invading a planet, Starship Trooper style, and like flying through the air and shooting, shooting all these futuristic weapons at things. But as a competitive game, I, I read a funny article that was like, um, Tribes' core player base is now too old and crappy at video games to play Tribes. And I was like, that's probably accurate. Everybody who yeah. used to be good at Tribes back in the day either isn't playing video games anymore or just is nowhere near good enough to play Tribes. You know, they want to play yeah. Helldivers now, basically, you know. Probably. And that would be a good that would be a good choice too. Yeah. I'm trying to see what the other game they made. I'm and I'm s I can't. I okay. This doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that they abandoned it. And yeah. I mean it makes I mean it makes sense. I don't think it probably was gaining much steam. And Tribes is a more well known franchise. Trying to bring yeah. it back. More well known for failure at this point though. Which oh, is come, weird. come on. Come on, level. Well, cap. I mean it, it really it'll be is. it'll 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 work. Like we just if this game fails That'll be essentially three failures out of four games. I mean, why keep yeah. making tribes games at that point? Um, yeah. But like, like you said, I don't want it to fail. I I have nostalgic memories for tribes, and if the tribes franchise picked up, it would be fun to jump back into it and be like, oh man, mm-hmm. is this what everybody's playing? But it's like, um, what was that portal shooter that came out a little while ago that everybody went crazy for? Split for like, gate. Split gate. That was such a flash in a pan, right? Like. It's but it was for, a fun flash. It was a fun flash. And for half a second, people are like, whoa, is Portal meets Halo the new competitive shooter? And then just like a month later, it was done. Like nobody well, was so playing hard it. is that these are indie developers trying to go against juggernauts and they'll never have the funds. They'll never have the, yeah. the production pipeline to be able to keep the keep the game interesting long term because everyone's now insatiable where they need to have a battle pass new season every every three to four months with new maps new weapons like they just can't do it because they're too small yeah. and it's so difficult unless you're more niche and you can establish that player base like hell let loose or squad or something where you're providing something that those big games are not providing and you have a small you're enough, struggle a small enough dev team to stay afloat on the smaller audience Rather yeah. than come at it with like, we've got this giant dev team and we need to hit this giant funding goal to to mm-hmm. break even or we have to cut funding tomorrow, you know? So yeah, hopefully those games can, I don't know, it's like BattleBit, right? BattleBit saw a huge amount of success at the start, but yeah. uh, I talked to the devs and they're like, yeah, we're not planning on massively expanding the team. Like we've done the math and we should be able to, based on our launch sales alone, keep up production for another five years and so you're like if that's actually their plan to like reinvest heavily in the game and just kind of keep making it better then maybe in five years their player base will be massively bigger than it is right now it could just well, be sitting the at slow... three thousand four hundred on steam yeah okay so not great it's not great it's not it's not like pathetic or anything but um and it's I mean, playable. Squad survived on that for years, you know. Oh yeah, that's, that's 100% that. playable. Yeah, so an indie team can survive on that, especially if you keep it small. Um, and then in three, four, five years from now, when they've like polished every bug, improved every gameplay mechanic, added tons and tons of content, 
I could totally see that game having like a slow grow comeback to an extent. Also, I feel like we need to maybe, and this is just a thought, we don't need to judge a game's overall success based off of its long-term success. And it can be just fun. I love Battle Pit. I had so much fun with it at launch. And I I got a ton of time. I got my money's worth. I, I memories were formed. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. It doesn't need to be something that lasts four years. Like I, I got a ton of comments when I was streaming, like, do you think this game is going to last? And the response was probably not. Like, I hope that it does, but buy it in the here and the yeah. now enjoy this experience with all these people with like the VoIP, like the, you know, the, 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 uh, the local VoIP. It was, it was great. It doesn't have to be something that you play a year from now. It's okay to enjoy it now. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with that 100% in that one, the devs made money. So it's a success for them in terms of like, we invested all this time, we made our mm-hmm. our time back monetarily, and we got to make a game that we're all proud of. Cool. Success right. for them. It doesn't have to last forever. And people who joined in, I mean, you could still get it now and still have fun, but people who joined in during the, the really crazy time were probably logging on with all their friends and having a blast. You know, I was running into other people I knew just in random battle bit servers. And then you turn on VoIP, you're like, Hey, is that you? Uh, And then you start fighting together. You start like joining squads and you're just like, Whoa, we just like made a squad of friends. This is awesome. Like, yeah, it's great for that. Part of me feels though, if a game is multiplayer and it's meant to be successful at a large scale, like battle bit, you know, 256 player servers or whatever they had, um, if you are having trouble filling up those servers a year past launch, then part that does feel kind of to a degree a failure in that sense of like, for this game to succeed, you need a large player count available. So if you can't enjoy what took them some, I think it was a really long dev time, like five, six, seven years or something mm-hmm. like that, depending. Yep. If Small that, though. Yeah. If that, if that all comes down to like, uh, of shorter life cycle where people can enjoy your content, then that's kind of a bummer. Um, to a degree as well. I do. Right. I just think we put so much, I, we put so much weight on long-term success for a lot of titles. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I don't, I don't know if it's a mistake, but I do think there should be more emphasis on the here and the now enjoy, enjoy the games in the here and the now too. Yeah. I think we're going to start seeing, and I'm, Maybe not even start seeing because most indie devs do make single player games, but that seems to be the smart approach for a lot of indie dev teams because then they get a nice big surge at the start when everybody's talking about the game great, but four years from now you can still buy the game and play it and have the same experience as somebody else would have had four Uh years prior, right? Where you can't do that with a multiplayer game, which is such a big risk in my opinion for an indie team to put years and years and years of their time into a multiplayer title, which if it doesn't take at the start, it's never going to take, you know, like that's it. And most don't. Yeah. I was, I was, I mean, we've talked, I think we've talked about this before. Most multiplayer games just never get anywhere. Yeah. Well, I would say most games are, are failures, you know, like the vast majority of them. Um, easily but because multiplayer there's, there's games in particular day. really have a hard time yeah it's getting tougher man it's getting tougher and it's that it's that limited time factor that not enough people uh equate 
add into their equations for should we make a game about this? They're like, okay, well, who are you actually going up against? Because if you right. say, well, look, it's tribes, it's a move movement shooter. Like, how many movement shooters do we have to compete against? Not very many, because nobody wants to play movement shooters. Because no, one's, no one's yeah. playing them. Yeah. You're not playing it. You're not competing against other movement shooters. You're competing against Call of Duty and Battlefield and all the major AAA shooters out there right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Does somebody want to leave that and come play your little indie movement shooter? Like, maybe. 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 Best of luck to the tribe's devs, you know, uh, for the nostalgia sake. Um, Yeah. So what, uh, what's your, what's another highlight from Next Fest for you? So I played, apparently I play a lot of real-time strategy games. Uh, A highlight was Pacific Drive, though which is kind of like a survival car game, which, yeah, is, I've been wondering which was about really that. creative. Do you ever get so you, out of the car? Yeah, you get out of the car. Okay. okay. Um, so the story is, is that you go to this, there's this zone, can't remember what it was called. Uh, something weird happened uh-huh. and the government enclosed this island. There's like this, there's this literally a wall and then you get like sucked in somehow through like a portal and now you're stuck in behind the wall. And you're talking to a couple of survivors that are there and they're like, holy cow, like a new person has arrived and they're not dead. This is crazy. And so there's there's like a story behind it. It's apparently going to be very story driven, but you have bonded with your car. Um, I don't know because the story hasn't explained it, um, but you've bonded with this car somehow and you can... Uh, go around and upgrade it. You'll be able to uh, make improvements to it along the way. I, I don't know, really know how because the beta is quite short or the demo was quite short. But it was a really clever, fun, well, pretty well written, yeah, little title. And I'm excited to see where it goes because it's it's an interesting twist where survival games are usually you build a base, but in this case, you're building your car and <laughs> yeah. you're going out and you're exploring with a car. It's a really cool concept. I've watched a bunch of videos on just the game and a little bit about the devs. And not that it's similar in gameplay to, say, Firewatch. It does sort of evoke the Firewatch vibes in the sense of yes. heavily narrative-driven, good writing, good aesthetics. Like, yep. the devs have a very clear vision for what they want the game to be, and it seems like they're delivering on it. Yeah, and it's a lot more narrative-driven than I thought it was going to be. It, there's survival elements for your vehicle. You'll have to repair it and things, but it is, yeah, I, I'm more interested in it now for the story and the characters, which surprised me, and less so because of the... Uh, the gameplay. The gameplay, yeah. It's cool. It's nice when somebody makes a game that is well-written enough to engross you on the characters alone, because that's yeah. usually my issue, is games are usually kind of boilerplate writing, and... It's really about the gameplay and the story Mm -hmm. kind of backs up the gameplay, but it's rare that you find one that's mostly narrative and the gameplay is really just filler, you know? And it's not the gameplay is terrible. It's just, it's just very basic. It's it's a survival game. You're going around, you're driving, maybe it'll get more advanced as it goes. You have to, and it is, it is also, you got like mirrors, so you can like look back and use your mirrors and. All right. Do you fight Mm -hmm. guys? Do you fight things? There is no fighting so far. Okay. There is conflict. There is this little robot device thing that like latches on and pulls you into the trees, which is kind of terrifying because um, it tries to wreck your car, which was cool. But I didn't like get in combat with it. I wasn't I wasn't like fighting it. It was more of me just trying to run away. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, I also did play some real-time strategy games for Next Fest. I played Stormgate and Broken Arrow. Do you know about any of those titles? So Stormgate is the ex-Blizzard devs basically yep. making what looks like StarCraft 3. Yes, and yeah. it's okay. It's all right. I I love StarCraft. StarCraft 2, I walked. I'm going to sound like an old man. I didn't have a car in college. I had to walk <laughs> an hour and a half, two hours, one way to get my local GameStop to pick it up. So it took me about four hours to get round trip. I woke up at 4 a.m. in the morning to get there or like something like like really early so I could get it when it opened so I could go back. And it was also in the snow, I must add. Yeah. Was it really? Actually, I don't think it was actually the snow. Uh, <laughs> this is back I did when, walk can you imagine RTSs being that big nowadays where it was no. the number one game of whatever time period? Yeah. I like, was so hyped for StarCraft 2, and I loved it. I, I yeah. put so much time into it's that game. game. I adored it. Yeah. This is kind of a mix between StarCraft and the Warcraft series, where okay. you have units that have like abilities and you've got um, ability call-ins that you can make that will sway things in your favor. It felt very one note though. I didn't really feel like I was making like uh, different decisions that were different between the games. Like, oh, this time I'm going to go cavalry. Like if I was playing Age of Empires, like I'm going to really mm. focus on trying to be a cavalry focus or I'm going to be air this time. Like there is, there's air and there was ground units, but it, I don't know, it just felt felt very one note where it was all kind of very similar each time and you and don't battles think it could... had the depth of because starcraft's depth comes from nuanced understanding of the mechanics right. so you might I do play think there four will rounds be depth. of starcraft and not really vary up your strategy because you don't really mm -hmm. understand it to a degree do you think mm -hmm. that could be part of stormgate or i think it is because of my lack of understanding i i I, I'm sure if I gave it more time, I think you're supposed to be active throughout the entire match. So one strategy I think most people use, especially when they're getting new to a real-time strategy, is to like bunker down, hunker down, build up an army, and then throw that army at their army and then hope for the best, right? And yeah. in this game, you can do that, It just, but it didn't feel like that was what you were supposed to do. Well, that's it was, rarely, I think they're going for... That's rarely the strategy in most RTS games. They usually reward mm -hmm. you for going out and expanding aggressively, right? And... Well, you can expand aggressively and still build up an army, like macro. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Just yeah. focus on your macro. This, I think, is going to be uh, trying to keep it active throughout the entire match so that you've got something to do. You can go off and... Maybe take out some uh, camps. There's like little uh, mob camps that you can take out for some resources. Yeah. Or you could go and harass the enemy. I think they're trying to make it more little interactive. Little legendsy there. A little the, bit, yeah. yeah. Not 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 to that extreme, but a, a little bit. And I say League of Legends, -y, even though that was basically a Warcraft mechanic. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. So it is, full it circle. is more Warcraft. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm referencing the game that stole it from Warcraft in the first place. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we're just old. Now. I don't think it was bad. I just wasn't uh, as in love with it like I was hoping I was going to be because of how yeah. much I adored StarCraft. It doesn't really play exactly like StarCraft. There are obviously heavily, they're heavily inspired 
also the aesthetics of it. I'm not vibing with the graphics. Uh, I'm hoping that they change it. It looks just... kind of like StarCraft Warcraft ripoff visuals. And yeah, it, like I personally Star... don't want those anymore. StarCraft 2 came out like 15 years ago and yeah. it looks better than this game. Like, I don't know yeah. what's going on with that. There's a little, I think it's like solo dev or like a very small team making this really cool looking RTS that's like called Dust something. I can't remember what mm. it is, but it looks uh, like visually, I'm so much more interested in this tiny little team versus this much bigger uh, attempt at recreating StarCraft. Yeah, and the yeah. and the and the UI doesn't really look great either. It just it just mm. doesn't. I know I know that visuals aren't the biggest most important thing, but it does yeah. matter. And I, think I would RTS say it's a visuals matter a lot because that's a big appeal of the game is watching your little units fight and blow up and yep. having that look cool you know it's, yeah. it's gotta look awesome it's yeah. it's why i loved the total annihilation and supreme commander game so much because you build a giant spider robot and its legs when it stepped on a tank would like destroy the tank and it was just so cool to see that and that overall didn't really have much of an impact on your strategy you weren't going to be like oh if i move the spider robot this way it could walk over tanks it's like no it was just a cool little thing that happened in the middle of combat. Right. But that counted for so much. It's what As I think about when I go back and I think, oh, wasn't it cool when the giant alien flying saucer would get destroyed and then crash into a base and destroy everything beneath it? Again, not a major component of the strategy or the depth of the game, but it sure was like a nice bit of visual flair to add on top of everything. Right. I agree. Yeah. Well... It's funny that RTSs keep kind of trying to work their way back into the mainstream. I don't know if one ever will become like a major mainstream game again without a significant twist on it. You know, they're mm -hmm. going to, they'd have to change it up a bit, but it is nice to see them exist prominently within the indie world, you know, and there's a lot of great ones like the Frostbunk games and, um, I think the Anno series has been fantastic. The the last well, those one aren't really real time strategies, but those are more city builders. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Anno's still got. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That gives into the Civ world a bit. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But yeah. Um. I think it's fine that they exist in the indie world for now. Did you catch up on Masters of Flight? I did, and it was Ooh. fantastic. Yeah. What did you think about episode three, man? Holy. It was pretty wild. Yeah, uh, it's it's yep. They're now getting deeper into how hellish the th these bomber planes what they what they had to go through. Yeah, miserable, miserable. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how this series evolves beyond these episodes we've seen so far because I imagine the the psychological component is going to become a bigger factor because we're already starting to get hints of that affecting some of the pilots and even the the main guys in charge of orchestrating the operations are not holding up so well because i mean like literally yeah. hundreds of people are dying under their command and they have right. to and they have to be the ones like go get them boys and then like 200 people die and they're like okay yeah. that's on me like, i guess yeah like god protect them because we're not basically yeah yeah uh such a good show though man i'm just i can't get enough of it uh i'm like angry at apple for releasing one episode a week i'm like what is wrong with you guys 
It's really hard to watch one a week, I know. Yeah, just dump it like Netflix, man. Come on. Like, but it gets us talking about it each week. It's true, man. It gets is. other people talking about it. It's it's the strategy. Yeah. I did watch a movie that I think was fantastic. Um American Fiction. Have you watched that yet? No. Is that a new one? Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm trying to remember the actor's name. I think it's like William Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen uh super good. That. Wow. It's got crazy good reviews. So good. It's like it's a multi-layered satire, um, but also heartfelt at the same time. Okay. So you got like comedy, a little bit of drama, a little bit of heartfelt uh, moments and incredibly well acted. Deals with sort of some of the most on the nose cultural issues of our time, but in a really um, enjoyable way. Because normally... Nice. If I know I'm going to watch a movie that's going to be like a preach fest or something, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Like, oh boy. If it's heavy handed, you know, where they're like, this is our view on the way things should be, uh, then it, it just becomes unenjoyable, right? You're like, yep. clearly the director's trying to convert me to their way of thinking. This didn't feel like that. Um, it was very uh -huh. interesting, very well done. Um, and it's about, it's really just kind of about, cultural stereotypes and some of the silliness around them and and the ways we get drawn into them and how to an extent they're almost unavoidable to a degree it's sort of the main characters trying to fight against these stereotypes of his culture and <laughs> kind of falls victim to them to a certain degree throughout the narrative but yeah. um it's quite fun I I would recommend it for anyone. Like it's not an I'll action have to check film, it out. but yeah. Is is it on? Do you have to rent it? Or is it on a platform? Yeah, I think it's rental right now, but I'm sure it'll be free soon enough. Eventually, you know? somebody will something. buy it. Yeah, well, that's my recommendation. Um, have you watched? Uh, so I watched this because my kids they like the Disney Pixar movie uh, A Bug's Life. You know that. It's pretty old at this point. It came out forever. It's quite ago. old. Yeah, it's very old. So National Geographic in Disney or whatever teamed up to make a real bug's life. Oh. And it's basically like you ever watch Planet Earth or something? Yep. Okay. It's like that, but for insects, right? So it's okay. it's a National Geographic style documentary, but about insects exclusively. And while I would normally just be like, yeah, it's cool. Go watch it. Check it out. The cinematography for this, I was reading up on it because I was like, oh, they must have CG'd the whole thing. Because how how are you going to film insects doing? Apparently, there's no CGI in this at That's all. That's wild. And I Can you imagine how know. long that would take? I, well, actually, some of the I read a thing and they said they took six months to like film cockroach eggs hatching or something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Can only imagine. You're like, who wants that job? <laughs> yeah. Just Apparently someone. a camera that's stuck in some like disgusting like gutter somewhere waiting for yeah. like a cockroach egg to hatch so you can get it in beautiful 4K glory. Oh, and it's gorgeous too. It's amazing. It's, uh, it, it's funny to recommend this as like one of my top recommendations, but just visually it's stunning from a technical level. I don't know how they got 90% of their shots. Honestly, it's insane. They shoot it like it, an action remember, film and you're like, what are you I guys? Remember, it's, it's, speaking of an action film, the not action film, but you know, it's the same thing. There's, if you've seen the like lizards 
and snakes on the beach scene in one of those National Geographic. Yeah, the Galapagos Islands. There's yeah, sprinter like, snakes chasing the iguana. It's nuts. I and know. you're like, this is literally a movie. You see this little guy, he gets like captured by the snakes. And you're like, it's over. And he escapes and he keeps yeah. going. You're like, how did they film this? I know. Like, I'm it's, like, Dave's not nuts. being the guy surrounded by a billion snakes. Dear guy. Right. <laughs> I never right. would have made it, dude. <laughs> Yeah, incredible. I, I don't know how they get it because they do ones where it's like they'll they'll find a flying lizard in the jungle and they'll yeah. get a slow mo shot of the lizard leaping off the branch, flying through the air, and then the camera will already be positioned where it lands on the tree trunk. And I'm like, how'd they know where it was gonna land? Well, my guess is they splice things together, and and some of that no. stuff is absolutely fake. I get that they cut it together, but still, was the guy just like hoping that a lizard would land on a tree? Oh, good point. Yeah, good. No, good point. Yep. Yeah, some of the some of the shots in that is insane. I don't know how they do it, and they're like trying to film those Amazonian dolphins. There's like dolphins that live in the Amazon jungle. Oh yes, yeah, mm -hmm. and like nobody's ever seen them before because it's oh, like okay. muddy water, and so or nobody's ever got footage Filmed of them, them. before mm -hmm. so they're trying to figure out how to film them and like it was impossible they had to like have submarine cameras they had to have like little uav cameras up above like getting like Drones. the top down it was like almost impossible to see them even when they did see them but yeah some of that stuff was just incredible so the bug thing is still crazy because they they had to fake this somehow i really don't know how they did it but they have like giant flies this big on the screen like huge on the screen and then they're flying with the camera like attached to them so i think they faked some of that my guess is like it's a real fly and they just glued it to like a toothpick in front of the camera and then like superimposed the flight scene or something but maybe i read an article and they said they didn't do any cgi so i was like how'd you get that shot then yeah, how did, how you, did get... you get that one? You didn't you didn't strap a GoPro to a fly. Like, yeah. shut up. Yeah. <laughs> There's no shot. There's no camera yeah. that can capture a, that gorgeous looking 4K footage right. and be carried by a fly. Just not happening. Right. Yeah. That so, is a little silly. So some of that stuff, I'm like, okay, maybe not CGI, but definitely post like yeah. editing where you cut it out and overlay it on something else. I don't know. Speaking of silly things, you you did you watch the the Super Bowl? I didn't know. Uh, neither, I should neither, have, neither I did used I. to be a Niners fan, but I've just oh. been uh, out of the loop for too long to care. Bro, did you hear? <laughs> yeah. Did what? you hear people are saying the Super Bowl was scripted? Scripted? No. Bro, I, I don't know what's, I feel everyone's got brain rot at this point. Yeah. So apparently there's, I don't who knows how many people actually think this, but uh, <laughs> like people are like complaining that the, the Super Bowl was scripted and, and uh, I'm gonna look this up. You're full just of it, nonsense. Man. Super Bowl <laughs> scripted. So it was a close game. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. It was very close. Apparently the 49ers, I didn't watch it, but the 49ers, from what I heard, kind of threw it, and they just didn't play a very good late game. They uh, maybe started strong. I think they had the lead for a, a bit, but then they they let it they let it slip between their fingers. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm seeing the news on it, but it just sounds like dummies going like, it's <laughs> yeah. rigged. It's all rigged. Yeah. I saw some videos of them like trying to showcase, uh, like moments that are like scripted. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, you gotta be kidding me. Can you imagine how difficult it would be to hide the, the NFL being scripted? You know, well, like the <laughs> amount of people involved 
the to money not let involved that out. too. It's like how much yeah. more do these guys need to get paid to throw a game? Like, are you right. kidding me? <laughs> yeah, there's no amount like the amount of money needed. It's not that it hasn't happened before. What was that like legendary one where they they literally like made new sports and gambling <laughs> laws about it? Uh, where like the Cubs threw the game, or I, oh, some, okay, some legendary baseball game forever ago where they actually did throw the game. Um, I just don't think I just don't see it happening at this level of organized sports on an individual level where you got like I don't know a golf or a tennis player where one, only one person is the yeah, moving in that case component. You can it's much easier to believe, but. From an NFL and let alone Super Bowl level NFL team, like those guys are getting paid too much to throw a game. It's insanity. Yeah, and well, <laughs> just the idea that that many that many people involved could somehow keep the secret when let's be real, people are gonna blab. Yeah, because like, oh, when no, it happened it's actually in baseball, fake. they found out. <laughs> right, and so right. yeah, and like I think a lot of those guys did like jail time or something. I don't know. Oh, what I didn't know that. Wow. That, or got kicked out of the league at the very I'm least. I'm sure they would have got kicked out. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it was like some I sort just thought of mob it, I just thought it was funny. Money, some mafia money. Maybe or maybe the conspiracy theories are right. Maybe it's all. Maybe we're scripted. That level. would be a cool maybe. story, dude. Oh, we're scripted. It would be. Well, yeah. I mean, I've got my Elgato teleprompter right here. Mm-hmm. It's like laughing. I've been reading off this entire time. Now. All those stutters is because I'm illiterate and I'm having a hard time reading. Yeah, we write lots of mm-hmm and uh and like yep. mm, yep. I don't know. This moment right here scripted as well. Yeah. Yeah. We scripted that we were gonna talk about our script. Perception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. I think we ran out of stuff to talk about, Matt. I think that's what I that means. Unless you want to go talk about more about uh uh Helldivers 2, maybe. Uh, not really, but I will play it. You know, I think that's probably one of those games that you, you got to play it really to enjoy it. I would recommend it. Yeah. Sadly, no Star Citizen news this week. I apologize. Oh, damn Matt. it. I was waiting for more news. I know you're just like, come on, man. What's going on in the Star Citizen world? <laughs> yeah, it's basically I just waiting for the patch. I haven't played it in like a month, dude. Like there's just, just I don't blame waiting. you for just waiting. waiting. Just waiting. Just waiting. Waiting. Still, I'm on that 2024 opium, man. This is the year. This is the year, man. This is, this is the year of Star Citizen. Yep. All right. You want to leave our? Oh, well, actually, before you before we go out with your excellent advice. Yep. Uh, for people who want to support the podcast, well, first of all, if you enjoyed the podcast, thank you for watching it. And don't forget to leave a like, subscribe. If you want to see more, you can subscribe to the playlist too. If you want to just watch the podcast playlist, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, other podcasting platforms. And if you want, you can join our Discord, which is linked in the video description, and give us ideas and suggestions uh, for the next episode. And uh, you can also support us on Patreon, in which case you can watch the episode live, in which we have, what is that, like 2,000 people watching live right now? It's pretty crazy. Uh, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of uh -huh. people on board watching live at the moment. Uh, a lot of loyal Patreon fans. So if you guys want to support us there, check it out. We appreciate you all very much. And uh, Matt's got some words of wisdom, which are going to help you get through life. Yeah, my words of wisdom today involves um, uh, cleanliness. Um, if you are someone who uh, struggles with acne like I have my entire life, one thing that you can improve your uh, your situation is to clean your bed sheets and specifically, specifically your pillowcase regularly. Also your towels too. Clean those towels. 
That's very good advice. I mean, me in college, man, I was people were like, when was the last time you washed your sheets? And I was like, wash sheets? What do you Why, mean? What do you mean wash sheets? Yeah. You can wash those? They can fit inside of those? The whole sheet can fit inside a washing machine. That's incredible. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Recommend it regularly. Yeah. Very good advice. Very good advice. Also helps stop things like bed bugs and other disgusting things from happening, you know, so. Yep. Wash your body, wash your sheets, wash your pillowcases, wash, wash everything, you know, uh, good advice. All right, people, you're welcome. Thanks for watching. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye.